0: You know what an oxymoron is? It's a phrase that combines words that contradict one another, like working holiday or paid volunteer or easy payment. There's no greater oxymoron in the universe than a miserable Christian. A tree doesn't have to do anything to produce fruit. just has to be a tree. If there's no fruit, the tree's either dead or it's very unhealthy. And it's the same with spiritual fruit. If you walk in the Spirit, the fruit grows. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These verses are not a command to produce fruit. They're a statement of fact. You walk in the Spirit, and this is the fruit He will produce in you. Fruit just happens. First on the list was love. When you're led by the Spirit, love wells up within you and overflows in loving attitudes and selfless actions. When you see that happening, you know you're on the right track. Keep going, you're walking in the spirit. When it stops happening, you have taken a wrong turn. Back up, you're on the wrong road. You need to get that sorted out. Next on the list is joy. Joy. Rejoicing, gladness, pleasure, happiness, it's all the same thing. Those are all different ways of expressing the same idea. I say that because there are people who make unhelpful distinctions here. They say things like, well, I'm joyful, but I'm not happy. To say the like of that is wrong. It complicates the whole thing unnecessarily. Joy, rejoicing, gladness, pleasure, happiness, it's all the same. You can't really define joy. Well, I can't anyway. Love is hard to define, but joy is impossible. Joy is a feeling that wells up within you when good things happen. And I can't really put that feeling into words for you. And anyway, your experience of it will probably be different to mine. And actually, that's a good point to keep in mind. Your experience of joy doesn't have to match anybody else's experience of joy. And it probably won't. And that doesn't mean it's not joy. For example, in the Bible, some of the writers use weddings and harvests to help to explain what joy is like. In Isaiah 9 verse 3, it says, You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Well, big farmers get worked up about the harvest, but to be honest, it doesn't give me a lot of pleasure. Joy is the feeling you get when you go to a wedding? Hmm, some of the ones I've been to are more of a torture than a joy, to be honest. Tell me about a medium rare steak. Now I can understand what joy is. You don't need me to define joy for you. You know when you're happy and when you're not. In the Bible, you read of joy being expressed in various ways, singing, dancing, playing musical instruments, Shouting, those seem to be the main ones. We saw an example of it in Psalm 98. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. But really joy is a matter of the heart. Jeremiah said, your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Those other things, the singing, the dancing, the shouting, are merely outward expressions of the joy within. But nevertheless, the experience and the expression must go together. I don't think the Bible envisages one without the other. Here are a couple of examples. Isaiah 30 verse 29. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy festival is kept and gladness of heart as when one goes with a flute to come to the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. Or Psalm 5 verse 11. But let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Do you see how in those and in many other passages, it's assumed that joy will have an outward expression? The way different people express their joy, of course, is different. Some people are more demonstrative than others. I mean, if I started shouting and dancing around the church with joy, you would be shocked. I would be shocked myself. (laughs) But if joy is genuine, there must be some expression of it. And the deeper the joy, the bigger the expression ought to be. If I started shouting and dancing, you would be shocked. But I like to think that when we're singing God's praise, you can see that I'm happy. Actually, sometimes I feel like I could shout and dance. Sometimes the joy is that much, but if I ignore it, it goes away again. In the Bible, God is the cause of joy. Psalm 32, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord Always. As far as the Bible is concerned, other things make people joyful because they are gifts from God. And God said to Israel in Deuteronomy 28, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies. To find joy in other things, to delight in the gifts rather than the giver, Is sinful. Actually, it's idolatry. Because it puts those other things in God's place. We ought to find our joy in the Lord. If we find our joy in other things, those other things are taking God's place in our lives. And anyway, joy that's found in other things, it's an inferior kind of joy. It doesn't last because, well, The things themselves don't last, they wear out, they decay, or else they turn out to be a disappointment. The steak that gives you pleasure, you eat it, and it's gone, or maybe it was overcooked. The wedding's over, and she turns out to be a nag, or he turns out to be bone idle, and the joy fades. You see, we were made for God. We were made to love him, to enjoy him, and to glorify him. Think of it in this way. There's a big, empty hole in all of us. A very big, very empty hole. And it's there in all of us, and only God can fill it. And when that hole is filled, joy is the feeling. Other things might keep you happy for a while, but they're never going to fill that hole. They're never going to satisfy you enough. That's why God says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He means us to come to him to find satisfaction for that unhappy longing in our souls. And a lot of the time, the reason we don't find it is because we look in the wrong places. Jeremiah 2, you know the words well, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the mountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that could hold no water. Relationships, money, comfort, whatever. They might make you happy for a while, but God is the joy of his people. God is the source of our joy. God is our joy. But for now, our joy is incomplete and it's growing. At least it should be. We should be becoming more joyful people as the months and years go by. The more the years go by, the better we know God and the more we have to be joyful about. And God promises his people more joy in the future. He promises us more of himself. So there's greater joy to come because there's always more of God to be known. And for that reason, I think our joy will keep growing forever. I think our joy will continue to grow in heaven because God is infinite and there'll always be more and more of him to know. Future joy, there is way more joy in the future than there is in the past. Future joy is something to look forward to in hard times. Jesus set us a great example. You remember the words well, Hebrews 12 verse 2, Jesus the author and finish of our faith, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He set his mind on the joy that was in the future, and that enabled him to endure the horrendous suffering of the cross. The promise of future joy is a great encourager. So your joy grows. There is joy up ahead, greater joy in the future But your joy is never all in the future. As the Bible sees it, joy is or can be the continual experience of God's people. That's what this verse is about, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's about now. And it doesn't matter what circumstances you find yourself in. That's not to make little of the circumstances you may be finding yourself in at the minute or circumstances you may have come through but it's to say that the kind of joy the Bible talks about is something that transcends our circumstances. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. You can still be joyful because God is the cause of your joy and God never changes. Whatever's going on in your world, God is still good. God is still full of love and grace. God is still an amazing saviour. It doesn't matter how bad your circumstances are, there's still reason to be joyful. Now, we've got to bring faith into the picture at that point, don't we? Sometimes things are hard. Sometimes things are very hard. And sometimes when those hard things are happening, it's hard to see God's goodness in what's going on around you. Sometimes it looks like there's not very much to be happy about. And that's when we have to bring in God's word and God's promises and say something like, Lord, it looks awful now, but I trust you and I look to that future joy that you have promised in your word, and I am happy. And it's interesting, too, in in the Bible, we see that joy is not incompatible with grief, it transcends our circumstances. And it's not incompatible with grief. Peter wrote to Christians who were suffering a lot, uh, and he, he wrote to them about their future promised joy. And here's what he said it's in 1 Peter 1, verse 6. He said, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you are distressed or grieved by various trials. In this you greatly rejoice, even though you are distressed or grieved. That's a strange mixture, isn't it? But if you've been there, you know exactly what he meant. You know what it is when you have a breaking heart, but even as the tears flow, joy, delight, welling up and breaking through. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Whatever way you look at it, Christians should be happy people we have every reason to be happy and it ought to show especially when we praise the lord who is the source of our joy god is to be praised with joy psalm 98 again tells us that shout joyfully to the lord all the earth break forth in song rejoice and sing praises It concerns me sometimes Maybe it should concern me more when our worship is not joyful. What's wrong with us? Sometimes the guys who go to the coach on a Saturday night have a better time than we have here on a Sunday morning. Why is that? Well, anyway, that is joy, as we find it described in the Bible. And joy, like love, is the fruit of walking in the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, joy is happens. That's what it feels like to walk in the Spirit. It's a very happy experience. But do you see too then how joy like love becomes a test? When you're walking in the Spirit, joy like love wells up within you and overflows in joyful praise to God. When you see that happening, you know you're on the right track. Keep going, you're walking in the Spirit. When joy stops happening, you've taken a wrong turn somewhere. Back up, you're on the wrong road. You want to know, am I walking in the Spirit right now? Let joy be your guide. You remember that quote from George Muller? He said, my first priority every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. When your soul is happy in the Lord, you know you're walking in the Spirit, you're in a good place. Well, then you're going to ask the question how do I do that? How do I get happy? Maybe you're thinking, a lot of the time, I I don't feel very happy. Where am I going wrong? If what you say is right, this means that I'm not walking in the Spirit at those times. Where might I have gone wrong? More important, how do I put it right? (laughs) Well, how long have you got? I can't give you all the answers to those questions. There isn't time. I'm not sure that I know all the answers far from it. In fact, I know I don't. I can give you some pointers, but actually it's, it's too important to rush. So I'm going to leave that question and we'll come back to it. How do I find joy in those times when I'm not joyful? Why might it be that I'm not as joyful as I might be? Big question. We'll come back to it. But here's another question just for now. It sounds from what I'm saying like joy is a priority. Isn't that a bit selfish? Talking about my happiness when the world is going to hell and there are so many bad things happening. Joy is a priority. Now, there's some tight reasoning coming up here, so listen carefully, and I'll try and make it as easy and painless as I can. Here's where we start. The greatest thing, the highest thing, the best thing, the most noble thing in all the universe is to glorify God. I think we'll agree on that one, don't we? Glorifying God, most important. Nothing glorifies God more than when his creatures rejoice and delight in him. If when your world is falling apart, you can joyfully sing the praises of God, what does that say? Doesn't it say God is the best? Doesn't it say God is better than money? God's better than all my possessions? God's better than comfort. God is better than entertainment. God is better than any relationship. God is better than a wife or a husband or children or friends. God is better than good health. God is better than life itself. You see, when those things are threatened, we become unhappy. But if in those circumstances we can rejoice in the Lord, God is glorified because we are saying God is more important to us than any of those things. Nothing glorifies God more than his creatures rejoicing and delighting in him. And God is most glorified in us when we are most happy in him. And that's why God is committed to making you happy. He is. God's passion, God's delight is that he should be glorified. There is nothing better for God to delight in than that he himself should be glorified. And he is glorified when you rejoice in him. So he has set himself to make you happy by satisfying the deepest longings of your heart with more and more of himself. That's why he saved you. For your eternal happiness and for his glory. It's why he made you. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We often forget to add the second bit, don't we? That's why he's at work in your life every day, working everything for the good of those who love him. Because your joy is his priority. So get happy then. It's important. But if your joy is going to glorify God, it's got to show. It has to show all the time, and the time it should show most is when God's people come together in his presence to worship him. Walk in the spirit, be happy, and if you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, hmm, maybe that's a step too far, is it? We're all different. And the way we experience joy is different. Your experience doesn't have to copy mine. Mine doesn't have to copy yours. And the way we express our joy is different because we have different personalities and that's okay too. But joylessness is not okay. And joy without any expression is not okay either. You know what an oxymoron is? It's a phrase that combines words that contradict one another, words that don't belong together, like working holiday, or paid volunteer, or easy payments, or here's a couple of nasty ones, government worker, police intelligence. There's no greater oxymoron in the universe than a miserable Christian. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for those precious times when we can turn aside in your presence from all the other things that press upon us and rejoice and delight in you. And sometimes that joy wells up so much that we could shout and sing and even jump about a bit. Oh, Father, it doesn't happen often enough. We don't enjoy you as much as we should. Lord, help us to learn about joyful praise and worship, joyful service, joyful obedience, joyful living, joyful appreciation of your good gifts that shows in joyful, thankful hearts that praise and glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name.